Welcome to the Big Fat Gay Podcast, where we talk about things that are weighing on our minds. I am Trevor Kizan. I'm a super chub. Uh, I live in Los Angeles, and I am currently in a void where the election has not happened and has happened. So I guess I'm Schrodinger's fat. <laughs> um, I, my name is Michael. I am a chaser, and I too am in a similar void as Trevor, although my void is having not started my work yet and somehow also already finished it on Wednesday. And so I am, uh, call me Schrodinger's dog today. <laughs> I am Don Marshall. I'm a big fat chubby guy living here in sunny Hollywood. Uh, and I lacking an animal side. I guess I'm just Schrodinger. It's kind of sad, oh, really. That sounds lonely. It is. I want to pet myself. <laughs> I'm Dan Oliverio. I'm a chubby chaser and a writer and public speaker. And uh, um, I'm 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 not Schrodinger. I am the Dirac Delta function. Uh, who's going to give a large impetus to what needs to happen this week. There's going to be a, I, a spike in searching for whatever that is. I was just thinking, like, I can hear the Google engines mm. being tapped into clickety, right clickety, now. clickety, clickety, click. Yes. I, I understood that reference. Yes. <laughs> that is me. Yes. Um. So, obviously, uh, this comes out on Wednesdays, and we're recording on Monday, so we're in the fun space of... Who knows what happened? You know, listener. Maybe you don't actually, because it, this is never going to end. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we are talking, of course, about tomorrow's elections. Yeah, for the um, for, for for the time travelers in the future listening to us. Uh, tomorrow, we find out if we are facing uh, Trump second term or if we're going to get a president. Well, we're going to vote on it. I don't know if we're going to find out much at all. But yeah, it's uh, but it's a fun space uh, to be in. Um, I just so had like a visceral reaction to that statement. Just like my whole body went cold and ugh. I got like sick to my stomach. <laughs> I'm sorry. Let's not say that's, that again. That's Don, a little leftover Halloween terror for bad you. Don. Yes. Bad Don. Yeah. Uh, thunderclap from last week. <laughs> <laughs> Ends in a cat scare. Yes. But yeah, so because, I mean, let's be honest, this whole year has been weird, but this is an especially weird time. So we thought we would um, do something a little different for this episode. Yeah. So we wanted to do something that would be, I think, a little more uplifting and fun and different and uh, just kind of start this next chapter in all of our lives off on the right foot. Um, so we wanted to talk to our special guest today. Um, we have Chris Rosa on the show with us. Welcome, Chris Rosa. Hello. Hi. Hi, guys. I, I love you guys all so much. You're so funny. I hope I can, I hope I can keep up. I'm <laughs> so I, I'm not worried. It's Chris, I have to ask. So, okay. So this is the, uh, we're pre-quarantine times. We're on the talk, sh or our talk show set. What music plays as the sliding doors open and you kind of do your like, little dance walk like, to the couch mm, stop and turn okay that's a tough question because there's multiple there's multiple things to think about because i would say like a deep cut like lady gaga song but like you know the moms at home don't know that so <laughs> <laughs> and i would maybe say like an old school madonna song but that's not even where my vibe's at right now so maybe like just dance by lady gaga it's a song that i love <laughs> But also, I think everyone else would get into, and it'd be a good like crowd pleaser for me to come on. <laughs> yes, and talk can can I, ones across generations? That makes can, sense. Can I explain? Can I give Chris a little bit of intro to explain why he is the world's <laughs> most overqualified person to answer that question? Please, Please do. do. Yeah. 
My Dan, who is this Chris Rosa? So Chris and I go back a long time. I think Chris, you and I met when you were just doing your internship in New York with VH1. Is that accurate? Yeah, um, yeah, 2014. So that was yeah. I was yeah I was an intern at VH1. It was my second summer in New York, and yeah, we met when you were there over the summer. So a long right. time ago. And so fast forward to currently, Chris is uh, entertainment staff writer for Glamour magazine. Mm -hmm. uh, a position which you've held for, I think, the last four years. Yeah, yeah. I've been yeah. there since September, August 2016, and I love it. I It's kind of my dream job, and I used to joke around in high school and middle school that I wanted a job where like talking about Britney Spears was just like part of what I got paid to do. <laughs> and that's what I got. Yeah. So I'm very happy. Well, and which is, I think even more remarkable in that, you know, you've been working there for four years. You've only been out of college for five years. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And, and the other thing that I think is really remarkable is that you have this amazing job in, you know, a glossy entertainment journalism profession while also being a fat femme gay man, which is how you referred to yourself in an article you wrote for Glamour last mm -hmm. month. Yeah, yeah. No, and that was something that I was really afraid of that because, you know, growing up, I watched The Devil Wears Prada and The Hills mm -hmm. and yes. all shows that I loved and watched and was religious about enjoying. But no one ever really looked like me on those shows. And if there was a gay guy on the show, one, it was rare. It was one gay guy and he was like a thin kind of sassy twink. So I, I didn't think there was ever going to be a place for me in, in magazines and fashion and entertainment. And um, I'm thankful that there is. And, but a, a lot of the things I thought ended up not being true at all. So just to set this up a little bit for people, you also didn't grow up in New York City. Uh, you grew up in Columbia, South Carolina, right? Yes. Yeah, that's where I'm from. And so I, even like, even if I wasn't like a femme fat gay man wanting to move to New York and pursue a career in entertainment journalism is kind of unheard of. I'm kind of maybe one of two or three people I know from my hometown that left South Carolina in general to move to like mm -hmm. LA or New York or somewhere else. So I was always a bit different. And then, of course, the body I grew up in just made things a little bit more, you know, difficult to see that a dream could happen. Well, in fact, I think I remember you saying that you didn't like you applied to VH1. I think it was an internship back then. You applied to it just on a lark, right? Or yeah. did you expect to get it? Well, I it was kind of a thing where it's weird. My growing up, I had kind of this duality of insane drive and crippling insecurity. So I mm -hmm. knew that I wanted to do all these things and I knew that I was good at them. And I knew that I don't think I would have been happy to do anything else, but I would apply to these things. And for instance, my first job was at MTV uh, the summer before I met you. So this was 2013 and I got that internship was super excited about it. But then the second I got it, I immediately was like, oh my God, but I'm fat. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> what if they find out? <laughs> what if they find out? I mean, that was a real thought because it really was like, oh, I, I'm i like, these are phone interviews and mm -hmm. what if I mm -hmm. show up and I'm like this like big fat man and they're like, get out of here, fat. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I totally understand your statement, 100%. Yeah, you're yeah. Like, <laughs> Your mind goes to the most illogical place, but it, it did go there. It absolutely did. So being a 
you know, a fat person from the Midwest coming to Los Angeles. When I first kind of came, I never considered that when I was like doing job interviews and stuff. And I remember there was a job um, for a receptionist. It was an interview I was doing uh, in Beverly Hills on Rodeo Drive at the salon. <laughs> and I walked in and I immediately was like, oh, oh, no, like this is <laughs> <laughs> this is a completely different world than I was expecting. And like the kind of shock on the person I talked to's face at the uh, the counter when I was like, oh, I'm here for the interview. And they're like, oh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, so I, I definitely relate to the the kind of like anxiety and fear about that going to, you know these you know yeah it would seem like far off distant worlds yeah and even i remember my first day more so at mtv than vh1 um like walking in thinking like my secret's gonna get out the second i walk in there <laughs> <laughs> you know that like the bubbly twink sounding gay guy that you hired <laughs> <laughs> looks a little bit different and i really really thought that was gonna fuck me up i really did stupidly well did it take a while to realize that like oh my god i think they maybe really do know like what was how did it how was it for you meshing those expectations with whatever the reality was which you can also talk about it, it's weird because even i mean i even i mean i'll talk about glamour in a little bit i had those anxieties going into glamour too so i really do think recently i've kind of gotten over it but i think up until last year or maybe even like six or seven months ago it really was kind of like fake it till i make it which sounds really cliche and stupid but i remember just showing up there being as enthusiastic as i could being as great as i could thinking that maybe that was gonna like make up for the fact that i was fat or mm. or hide the fact that i was fat and looking yeah. back in hindsight i think what i realized at 27 which i didn't at 20 was that no one really cared, but I cared. And I think because I cared, I was projecting a lot of things that weren't really there. Mm. Well, let me ask you this question. One thing I've noticed with some of the fat guys that I've hired before and the fat women mm -hmm. um, is we work harder when we first show up because I think we're overcompensating mm -hmm. for, for our fears. So in one way, I mean, again, like trying to make a silk purse out of a sow's ear, you know, that fear can actually be very useful for us. But I'm curious if uh, and I know you're saying you just had to do the fake it till you make it thing. But the issue you're talking about is a pretty universal one for most of us big guys. Do you have any advice for people on how to overcome that first day jitter on the new job when they're seeing your full body for the first time? <laughs> Surprise. <Yeah. laughs> Literally just walk in and just shout that at the top of your lungs. <laughs> One thing that I found really helpful is fashion. And you guys have talked about this on your podcast before is I really feel like if you have an outfit that you feel really good in that alleviates, at least for me, 50% of the anxiety. Of course, there's the other 50%, but it gets rid of a good chunk of it. And with Glamour, I remember that was more so for my interview. I got the interview when I was 23. I didn't have a lot of money. And I remember going to DXL, which I'm sure you guys know all yep. about. <laughs> and um, spending money I didn't have on an outfit, but it ended up being money well spent because 
I got the job and I got this like blazer that I loved and these like pants that were like perfectly fitted and tailored. And again, like as a fat guy, I try to like hide my body, but I wanted pants that felt crisp and these really great shoes that I thought were really chic. And I, I showed up in that kind of like, I felt good in the outfit. So I wasn't constantly being like, how's my body look? I could kind of be present. So that really Mm -hmm. helped. And I also think it's another thing you guys have talked about on the podcast too, of thinking it's more in the context of like bars and friends and dates and stuff. You always think that as a fat person, everyone's thinking about your body and thinking about what you look like. And that's the same thing that goes to employees. Like no one's really thinking that. I mean, yes, weight discrimination is a thing and it's, that does happen. I don't want to discredit it at all, but in some cases it really isn't on people's minds. And that's one thing I just had to relax into and realize that maybe it's not as big of a deal as I'm making it in my head. I, something that you said that I think is really interesting when you, when you got your outfit, when you're you're putting that together, it's your, 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 your pregame interview. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so what I'm hearing is that you were really picking clothes and thinking about how do how how good you feel or how you want to feel or something that expresses you it sounds like you were thinking about that more than you were thinking about like okay so what's the outfit that they're going to like or that's going to make me fit in there is that accurate totally 100% i think that if i had gone with an outfit that felt very condé nast which is what glamour glamour zone by condé nast um it would have been something I think I would have been a little bit uncomfortable in. And so I wanted to find something that was a mix of like what feels like someone would work at a fashion magazine would look like, but also what's my personal style. And again, these are all just preconceived notions I had about the company. Now I wear whatever I want and everyone wears whatever they want. And like, (laughs) I know, and I could have done that from the start, but of course in my mind, I'm thinking, I've got to look like someone who, you know, the devil wears Prada and I've got to like somehow fit this mold in this body. How do I do that as best as I can? And, and quickly I realized that, um, I didn't need to do that. I could have kind of, of course I dressed for an interview, but I, I didn't need to fit anything other than just being as comfortable as I could have been. And that's really the key to close for a situation like that is what's going to put me the most at ease so I can be present and what we're talking about and not thinking like, mm-hmm. do they think I'm fat? <laughs> you know what I mean? That's, that's really brilliant. Yeah. I have gone to meetings wearing clothing that friends told me like, oh, you look amazing in this, but they're just, they hang on the wrong spots. And so I'm focusing on that during the meeting rather than, yeah, I. I and one thing I think is this is a really hyper specific fat guy problem is I never want to have a shirt. First, I used to do a thing where I would kind of drown my body in clothes that were too big. But I don't like the way I look like that. But I also don't want to be in clothes where I'm doing this all the time because then I'll yeah, be yeah, thinking like, about that. You mean pulling it, pulling the clothes away from your oh, body? Yeah, pull, yeah, pulling, mm-hmm. yeah, pulling the clothes away from my body. And I, uh, sorry, I realized like, we're audio. I was, I was, pulling, I was pulling my shirt. I was pulling my don't shirt, worry. as I'm sure all of you have done before. Um, I, didn't, mm-hmm. I didn't want an outfit where I was doing that. So... It all just came to finding the right fit of clothes. And mm-hmm. and I was lucky to have found an outfit that really worked. Nice. And by the way, what was that outfit? I mean, you said blazer, but what were the components? I'm actually curious how many times you changed before you settled on that outfit. Oh, that's true too. Yeah. Well, it was a, so it was a Michael Kors blazer. It was this bluish, um, this like, like 
darkish blue that I love that was perfectly fitted. Again, I would get it old body, like two sizes too big to just like hide, <laughs> hide my body. Um, and then it was a simple black shirt and these gray um, kind of jean. I call them like cool Brooklyn guy pants. Like they just looked <laughs> like, like something like a cool guy from Brooklyn would, would wear. And um, the guy at DXL like perfectly tailored it for me. And I just felt really good. And I went with two girlfriends, female friends. And I even remember being a little afraid to go with them because I was like, surprise, I'm fat. I have to shop at this store. You know what I mean? <laughs> and so, but they came and were so great and helped me pick out the clothes. And it was the first outfit I ended up picking. I don't think I tried on anything else. And it's an outfit I still wear today. I have the pants. I have the blazer. Um, I mix and match it whenever I want. And it really is, I'll always remember that those clothes is just really what helped me. And what got over, what helped me like get over the anxiety that I realized I didn't even need to have. I love the people I work with at Glamour and it's not at all the culture I thought it was. Mm, that's good to hear. And what I, the other thing I heard you say is you got it tailored. Like you didn't just, you know, Oh yeah. And you, and you expected to get it tailored, right? You didn't mm-hmm. think you were going to. Yeah. Well, th- that's the great thing. Again, I think going to, I mean, this is a recent revelation for me of going to stores that carry my sizes. I feel much more emboldened to, you know, going to any other like kind of like American Eagle store, like in college, like I kind of would just grab the biggest size and pray it fit and just get it. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, and rush out and rush and rush out and be like, sorry, I'm here. Sorry, I'm fat. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like that, yeah. But I, but going to a store like DXL or any, some of the stores online I shop at, I feel much more emboldened to make choices and make choices that feel good. Like any other person deserves to feel and, mm. and that was key at that job. And I think I even wore that often on the first day or I, I wore an I like wore, I know I wore the blazer. Maybe I wore different pants, but I, it's an outfit that I still wear and return to all the time. You made an interesting comment about going to the DXL with some friends and sort of being mortified about that. Mm-hmm. I, I, it, it, I, up until you said that it never occurred to me that only one time in my life have I had someone with me while I picked up some clothing and that was Michael. And I can't, I can't remember what I was buying, but even with Michael there, I was sort of mortified that someone was looking at me in clothes that I have not approved of yet. Um, and much less being in this very specific store for me. I mean, is that an experience you continue doing shop, the social experience of shopping with friends, or is that still something that's weird for you? Well, I, I love shopping on principle. Not even, even if I, <laughs> even if I wasn't fat, I don't think I would enjoy shopping. It makes me very thirsty. I don't know if you can, <laughs> I just like want to drink like a million fluids. And I, and so I even, I even being like growing up and going to the store with my mom, hating it. So I, I shop as little as I can, but I would, like I would do it now. And also I like, you know, ASOS is a great brand that has extended sizing and I have no problem like showing like friends clothes that I'm thinking about buying or even, you know, a little bit in answer to your question is recently I went to a friend's gay bachelor party and uh, he was like, I want to get t-shirts made. Like, will you send me your size? And I, for some reason was so afraid to do that and be like, this is my shirt size. Then all, when I know all of his friends are like a medium at, at most. And, mm. but I just like synthesized. He was like, okay. And like got it made. And again, whatever I had built up in my head was going to happen, didn't happen. And that, that extends to like the job stuff as well. Like I remember like walking into 
glamour thinking like, I know they know what I look like, but everyone's going to see me and they're going to fire me. Or even VH1, like the summer before I met Dan, I remember distinctly walking um, in, at my college when I got the job thinking, OK, now I have to lose 30 pounds in a month. Do you know what I mean? Just like really, <laughs> yeah. really, really crazy, crazy things. And none of it, all of it was kind of for naught, I think. I, you've talked a lot about, you know, the expectation versus reality. I wonder, have you ever, have you ever had a situation maybe in an interview or maybe in an assignment where being, you know, a big fat, big gay man was an advantage or something that turned, you know, I turned was the curious key? about the same thing. Well, first of all, I'm going to put big fat, big gay man in my Twitter bio. So thank you. For <laughs> <that>. <laughs> Always happy to serve Chris. Always happy to serve in that order. <laughs> Oh, all the time. I mean, that's kind of what I was excited to talk about was the culture of what I thought magazines were is not what it is, at least from my experience. And I've talked to enough people and seen enough brands to know that it's not the case. Maybe magazines 20 years ago hated fat people. (laughs) But now, you know, your perspective, your very specific perspective is kind of why you get hired. And not to say, like, I wouldn't have gotten the job if I wasn't fat or whatever. I think that my edit test as a writer was very strong. And I'm an entertainment writer at the end of the day. I write about books and TVs and movies. And so my fat experience isn't always a part of what I write about. But it has been in many cases. A perfect example was the piece I just did on the Fenty show. Um, mm-hmm. I was was looking for a take on it. And I saw Dexter Mayfield's um, kind of, like, bravura like dance and i was like wow that was really amazing and then i looked on the website and saw that there was like a fat man on like the e-commerce site and i had never seen that before a guy with like man boobs that looked like mine and stretch marks and flab and presented in this very sexy beautiful way i don't think anyone else would have noticed that a glamour except me you know and i Mm -hmm. wrote the piece and it ended up performing super well and being one of, it was one of our highest traffic pieces of the week, I think maybe even in the month. So I, I do think that my perspective in the body I am informs a lot of the work that I do. And had I known that, I don't think I would have been as afraid to go out for the job. Had I known it would help me if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. You, You know, it's something that you return to a lot is this idea of, you know, you say that you were hired in fact, for your for your voice and that today more and more writers are not hired just to report they're hired to give perspective to give analysis uh, on whatever it is and so i wonder were you ever tempted to try to fit in more or were you were you always of that mindset of like you know just gotta be me was it how how was that for you Was, was there a struggle for it was it just from the from the opening of the gates how did that work for you Mm, that's a really good question. Um, I, I think they're probably, I think I probably, when I started, I, there was a couple, a couple of months where I would like walk into the elevator and see like what the other gay guys looked like. And none of them looked like me. I actually only know one kind of, I'm not going to say his name, but like one kind of like chubby guy who works in media, who does what I do, like literally only one. And he doesn't even work at Condé Nast. So there was some time where I, would look around and think I didn't belong here. And I would go to events like cocktail hours and movie screenings. And I've never been to a fashion show, but industry events, like press trips and would kind of see what everyone would look like and think 
this is how I look and it doesn't look like them. And should I be here? I would start spiraling. I would, you know, all the, all those things again. I call that the treadmill. Yeah. 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 And it's, again, it's not even like I had a light bulb, like love yourself moment. It was more, (laughs) you know, it was kind of just uh, again. And I feel like I'm repeating myself. I'm sorry. All the things that, and I can only speak from my perspective. I cannot, you know, I don't want to say that this, I don't want to say that what happens to me happened to me was normal or that worse things haven't happened to other guys who are fat and who have been in the workplace. All the things I was worried about, I would just start talking to people. Like I would talk to anyone. We'd get into a conversation. I would build a connection. I would build a friendship. I would build a work friendship and it all kind of melted away. And I think the key to that, at least for me, was just like an inch of willingness to start a conversation because maybe someone mm-hmm. wouldn't have started a conversation with me. Maybe I had to be the one to do it. And and that could be for a multitude of reasons, but it was just an inch of being like, hey, what's up? And then, you know, talking about something common and establishing ground and then following each other on Twitter and following each other on Instagram and seeing that. We have the same interests and want to talk about Kim Petras and Lady Gaga. You know, you know what I mean? <laughs> so it, it, that is kind of the key. Just if you if I, I just had to find an inch, a sliver of willingness to just step out of my comfort zone and just say hi. But that's really hard. It, it can be really hard when you live in a body like mine and think that you don't you think that you shouldn't get things that you don't deserve mm. things. It reminds me of uh, a friend of mine who, you know, he's cute and blonde. You know, he is absolutely a twink if twinks weighed 400 pounds. And he would go out in West Hollywood to a really swanky high-end gay bar and he would get play. And all the other fat guys, you know, who weren't going, were like, oh my God, how did you do that? How'd you pick up that really hot guy at the Abbey? How'd you, and he's like, I don't know. I just talked to them. (laughs) (laughs) And, but I think what I saw was going on was that he was actually more part of that gay world than I was because like you, he was really plugged into like fashion and celebrity and uh, entertainment stuff, which, you know, my fellow co-hosts will attest that I am really, really bad at. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, and, no. But, but, but he swam in those waters. And so I think for the guys he was talking to, and maybe this is true of your experience in, you know, at the cocktail party, it's like, well, he's a lot bigger than the people we usually talk to, but he's one of us. That's exactly it. Yeah. I even, <laughs> I remember you, you telling me that story a couple of years ago and it's really resonated with me even in just my personal life, like I, I kind of navigate, I would, I think this is like what I need to call my book or something. If I ever write a book, like I am definitely a twink. <laughs> I'm a twink in a fat guy's body because all my friends are very small guys and my, any gay coworkers I have kind of look like that. And I'll go to like the twink when the world's normal. I haven't been in a while. <laughs> like we'll go to like the twink clubs and the twink bars. Cause that's the music I like. Those are the conversations I like having. I love talking shop about pop music and pop culture, but you know, the guys don't look like me. And I used to be afraid of like walking into those spaces and thinking like, I'm going to get kicked out because I'm fat. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> and, um, and that's never been the case. And even like, I started thinking about if someone's looking at me, 
Maybe they're looking at me because they think I'm hot. Maybe they're not looking at me because, like, what is that, like, rhinoceros doing in the corner? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know? And so, and I, a perfect example was a couple of weeks ago, um, I did end up going to this kind of, like, seated, masks, um, outdoor, socially distant thing with a couple friends. And I did have a guy, a very good-looking, conventionally hot kind of Instagram guy, uh, start talking to me. And we were talking about Lady Gaga's new album and... The songs we liked off of it, and he followed me on Instagram. And I had my friend, I have very, very good friends, very protective friends who love me and have never said a thing about my body and think I'm sexy, blah, blah, blah. But he did storm up to me after. He was like, who was that guy? Was he like talking? Was he like rude to you? And I was like, no, he was hitting on me. You know what I mean? And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's great. And it was kind of like this kind of revelation of like, Maybe maybe it's not all so bad and maybe I can go to a fashion party at work and talk to the hot twink in the corner, not even in a sexual context, and they're not going to like pull out the harpoons. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> That's really great. Yeah. I'm always convinced they have harpoons. Yeah. Ready, ready. Just waiting. Just, <laughs> they have it in their back just waiting, you know. <laughs> I had, I had, it's just, you're talking about clothing, right? And clothing mm-hmm. giving you this sort of uh, sense of uh, I don't want to say armor, but like being able to project yourself forward the way you want to. Totally. Right? Uh, now, but it's funny because when, when we talk about this sort of low self-esteem that we get growing up, I think the common the common line of thought in mainstream media is to blame fashion, mm-hmm. right? To say that fashion tells us the bodies we have to have. Um, I'm curious if you if you feel that way. If, like, what are what do you think are the contributors to this sort of uh, difficulty we can have in just feeling that we have the right to be where we want to be. Um, I I think I really, I really do think that 70% of it, I do think 30% of it is your own internal journey, but I think that is mm -hmm. absolutely empowered and affected almost directly affected by the other 70%, which I do think is representation. I think that if I was just talking about this the other day to a chaser and he was talking about his sexuality and how, you know, how he never felt like he could be open about it because it was kind of taboo. And we've never seen a fat guy be sexualized on TV in a context that would make you think it's okay to be attracted to someone who looked like that. I think exactly the thing applies to fashion and clothes. If, if we grew up seeing, you know, you know, Kevin James or whoever, bad that's the only example i can think of like in a chic hugo boss outfit right in gq along with like you know brad pitt and ben affleck in a best dressed of the oscars night it would just be normalized and in our fashion taste and we we would just be emboldened to be more chic and and embrace fashion in a way that we just don't now well i think that's um why your fenty article was so popular because that that Fenty show was really the first time where fat male bodies have been showcased. Like the Fenty website was, I think, more representation than we see on like DXL. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like DXL, so it's the same yeah. so like <laughs> tall, like kind of fat, scruffy guy who's like, you know, fashionable, but also all American and like. Not too they, fat. They look like a lumberjack. Yeah. Yes. I call them very tall, tall lumberjacks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, what do you think that? So, I mean, I agree with you. I don't think the fashion industry is solely responsible, but they 
do put out certain images. Like what do you, what do you think the fashion industry could do something different to be more inclusive? Do you think that's their responsibility at all? Or is that on us? Like, do we need to sort of change our own point of view? It's it's tough. I, I do think that, I mean, I can only speak from, you know, the perspective of like working in a magazine. I do think it's our responsibility to be as inclusive as possible in our coverage. And I mean, even it's not exactly the same thing and I don't want to make it, I don't want to make a direct comparison, but even looking at like race representation and, you know, especially all the conversations that were happening over the summer. And I took a long, hard look at glamorous coverage and the spots where I could be better. You know, I, my, my beat, my day to day is celebrity news, covering celebrity news. And why do we have 15 articles about Blake Lively and only Blake Lively? Do you know what I mean? So it's like, (laughs) so it becomes a thing where you just start thinking, well, maybe it is my responsibility to like broaden my scope and like make sure I'm as inclusive as possible. And I think that extends to brands as well. I think that Mm -hmm. if they're casting the same Cara Delevingne-esque model in all their campaigns or in DXL's case, the same rugby looking plus size model, I could name two, you know, then we're not going to get anywhere. I do. I do think that there is a lot of responsibility on editorial brands and fashion brands to like make their lineups look like the world, because that is, I think how you just kind of set yourself free from the parameters that maybe you had set for yourself. Mm -hmm. I, I wonder, you know, there used to be a thing back in the days when Will and Grace was something new and different there was a thing called homophobophobia, <laughs> which was a phenomenon, particularly in Los Angeles, which was, you know, if you were a TV executive, you're like, I'm fine with gay people, but I'm, but I'm worried about the people who are worried about gay people. Like I'm afraid of the people who are afraid of gay people mm-hmm. because they'll tank our ratings. Do you think there is a sense of fatophobophobia in maybe the environment you work in or in uh, uh, fashion today or in celebrity, like we're like, it's okay with us if you're fat, but we're afraid of the backlash of the people who won't accept it where our magazines are published or where our media shows. That's a good question. Um, I think from an internet editorial perspective, one thing that does cross my mind when I either write articles about fat representation or being fat is that the comments are going to be berated with, obesity, health, blah, 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 Mm -hmm. blah, blah. And Mm -hmm. I can't speak from like an advertisement perspective or, or that kind of side of it. Cause I don't work with that, but I do know that that is something that crosses my mind. And it's kind of like when you choose to write an article about like how Trump sucks, like you're going to get the haters, you're going to get the blowback, but like, wouldn't you rather be on the right side of history and <laughs> publish something <laughs> right side of history? Like this is like, you know, <laughs> wouldn't you rather have, sometimes you just have to make a choice that's going to upset people, but it's for the greater good. And, and also, you know, there's great comments too that come from it. So mm. it, it's a mix, but I won't say the backlash doesn't exist because it does. And I think that we still have a long way to go. I have a theory. I have a theory that there's a type of person out there that can't, what's the best way to explain this? They can't feel their own height. So they feel it's necessary to stand on someone else in order to feel tall. Mm. That's not, I don't think that's true of all humanity, but I do think there's a type of person that if, if someone they believe should be beneath them, is being put in a position where it doesn't seem that they are. 
they feel the need to try and push them back down so they can get back on top of them. I have so much to say about that, but the quickest thing to say is, yes, I think you're right. <laughs> yeah, that's one thing that, I, that has crossed my mind the times that I've had negative experiences. I think that so many people spend their lives terrified of being fat. I think that like, for some people, it's the worst possible thing that could possibly happen to you. That when someone comes across that is emboldened to wear whatever they want or take their shirt off in Fire Island or what have you, they get pissed off because they don't think they have the right to do that. They diet and exercise and kill themselves at the gym to look a certain way to earn the right to do something, to earn the right to have a kind of job or have a kind of life. And I think that for the first time in a, in my entire life, the past year or two, I've said, just fuck that. <laughs> you know what I mean? I like, honestly, I, I really, I can't like, I've gone to fire Island, like the fattest I've ever been this summer. And I had a great time again. It was like coronavirus. So I wasn't like, I didn't eat, circuit parties or anything but it's like you know things that i didn't think i could do or had permission to do i just said why not you know and it that started with my job if i could make the suggestion fuck mm. that is also another great book title yeah. <laughs> just just keep that in mind just pitching that i i like how you said that like doing things you didn't think you had the permission to do mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's really awesome including like applying for a job you know totally yeah yeah and, and that i remember distinctly in January of 2016, seeing a job at Teen Vogue and my, again, Teen Vogue is super progressive and write about fat representation and they're amazing. I didn't know any of that in 2016. And all I knew is there was a job at Teen Vogue and I know Teen Vogue from the Hills, again, a show that I worshiped growing up. And I had a friend send me the listing and he was like, you really should apply to this. And I was like, well, I want to lose like 75 pounds first. So maybe no. <laughs> I swear to God. Yeah, I did do that. And then, and then thankfully six months later, a job popped up at Glamour and it was a mix of me being so fed up at my current job, at my, well, my last job and so wanting to get out of there and just like having to swallow whatever insecurity I had just to get out of that job. And I was like, I don't have time to lose 75 pounds to change my career. I don't have time. (laughs) I think that's so perfect. I really do love um, how woke Teen Vogue has become. And I feel like 2016 was like kind of the start of it. And it's just so amazing because you never would have thought these amazing kind of think pieces would be coming from Teen Vogue because it's like, yeah, you know, Vogue. I had, I, I had built this. Well, it's not, it's like Vogue and then like Teen Vogue. So I'd kind of built this image in my head of like that. I, I would never see anything kind of fat positive from Vogue, let alone Teen Vogue. Absolutely. Speaking of Vogue, I don't know if you guys saw this, but there's a there's a show on Netflix called Emily in Paris. That was a huge, <laughs> huge talking point. It's a great show. You absolutely should watch. There's not a single fat person in it, but it's great. <laughs> but Vogue, Vogue of all outlets, wrote a piece called What If Emily and Emily in Paris Was Fat? And it was kind of. Exploring. Oh, yeah. oh, my God. Oh, shit that mm-hmm. i would read that <laughs> and, and it was exploring the idea of like the sort of um paris girl american girl in paris you've got carrie bradshaw you've got the gossip mm-hmm. girl cast these wayfish blonde girls running around yeah. near, running around paris why does that ju- and then of course in emily in paris it's lily collins who's great in the show it's no shade towards her whatsoever mm-hmm. but why does that fantasy only get to belong to a girl who's 100 pounds why can't it belong to a girl who's 300 pounds 
why can't it belong to a gay guy who's 300 pounds? I want to be mm. Emily in Paris. Oh my God, yes. yes. <laughs> Chris, I would pay to watch you be Emily in Paris. Season I love that two, idea. my friend. <laughs> Season two. Hire me. <laughs> so, yeah, but no, but no Trevor, I, I completely agree with you. I think that had I known all of that about Teen Vogue or what Teen Vogue would have become, I probably would have applied to that job. But I was too scared and too set in what I thought the industry was. Mm-hmm. Well, that actually leads me to an interesting question that I thought, well, I, I think it's an interesting question, you know, cause sometimes we get in our heads and we, we, we treat the world of our head. Like it's the world outside our head. Mm-hmm. How, how does this hit you? Like, how would you describe the difference between like what you were describing at teen Vogue of like, Oh, I'll never get that. They'd never hire me versus maybe a different sort of consideration, which is like, you know, that sounds great, but it's not my tribe. And I don't think I belong there. Or is there a difference? Yeah, yeah, I I do think there I do think there is a difference. Well, actually, hmm, I think that there is something to be said about I don't want to apply to that because that's not my tribe. But I don't think they're not my tribe because I'm fat. If that makes any sense, mm. I it. think that mm. I think that there would be a mo- like for instance, like I don't think I could ever work at a. I don't want to like <laughs> I'm not going to name any places because you know girls got to eat, but like. <laughs> <laughs> some outlets that I probably wouldn't want to work at because I just think, oh, it's too snarky. Oh, it's too this. It's like, I don't fit in. I wouldn't fit in well with that culture. That's not because I'm fat. It's just because it's just... And I think now I'm in a place to to think that. I think probably five years ago I would have thought I had no seat at any table because of my weight. But now I think it's... You no, know, there's a host of other reasons why some other job isn't my tribe that has nothing to do with weight. and And that's been a really, like empowering nice place to be in my mind nice it's interesting what you were saying just reminded me of a uh a tip that trevor brought a couple weeks ago uh where they were at, we had a it was a kickstarter for a new brand of jeans where the yes. jeans were being designed based on a was it a 4x body 5x body 52 inch waist something mm, like that yeah i think it's 52 inch waist Right. Mm-hmm. At which point I discovered for the first time that apparently like large men's clothing is not designed using large men. <laughs> of it's course not. <laughs> just they take the small people's clothing and just enlarge it. Right. Um, which doesn't work. So I just think it's interesting now that we have uh, like that pair of jeans going onto the market, trying to uh, add a little diversity to us and having people like you writing and bringing your perspective like we can see the diversity starting to come in uh, yeah i think um, it's, yeah i think it's a slow but steady process that just reminded me of i did a profile on i don't know if you guys watched that show euphoria last year it was really good it was on hbo um mm-hmm. i did a profile on barbie ferrera she played a plus size actor um character on the show who like starts a webcam sex show and is very sexual and uninhibited and she's a model she's a plus-size model and a very popular one and she told me something really interesting that like a lot of times like plus-size models aren't plus-size they just have padding on them because like, they get straight size mm. models because they want that hourglass shape they want like the boobs and the shapely curves but they don't want you know they don't want flab i guess i don't know a more mm. eloquent way of putting it but she said she's she's encountered things where like they'll get like maybe like the smallest kind of plus size model like a 12 or whatever and just put padding on her so that it's more of a of an hourglass shape and that kind of goes speaks to what you're saying about like people are fine with diversity but it's kind of be the kind of diversity they're okay with looking at if that makes yeah. any sense 
Oh, 100%. I wrote a piece of, This Is Us is a really big popular show by Glamour. We'd write about it a lot. And yeah. um, I do enjoy it. I think it's really good. I think I love to cry. I'm a big crier. Um, but I do think that one thing I would love to see is them not talk about Chrissy Metz's weight that much on the show. And I think that in the first season, maybe they thought they had to do it, like to address the issue in the room or what have you. But I wish it would kind of just be a thing where they don't talk about it. And I think maybe culturally we're at a place where kind of like where we were with like gay people on screen. Like the first narratives you saw with gay people on screen were like, they have HIV, their lives are terrible. They're, you know, they're struggling, they're struggling to come out of the closet, you know, where, you know, like they're going to have horrible, terrible lives. And then Will and Grace came on that showed like an affluent, successful gay man with, with no issues with being gay. Maybe that's the journey with fat narratives on TV. Maybe right now we have to be fat, 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 but maybe in <laughs> 10 years you won't have that. That's, that has been the pattern with all sort of minority representation mm-hmm. is first you show up as backgrounds, then you show up as an object of pity or scorn. Then you show up as a villain you know, and then you start get to getting to be a human being. Mm-hmm. You know? And no matter what minority group you're talking about, you can see that. And with uh, like the fat mob boss and the fat like politician, corrupt politician, fat, corrupt anything uh, like fat has been the villain for a really long time. So I feel like we're ready to move on to the next phase yes, please. of representation. Mm-hmm. So my, my little rant. <laughs> yeah. Cool. I'm curious, Chris, is there anything that specifically you wish we'd asked you? No. That's always my favorite question mm. to ask people at the end of interviews. This was so All the pressure's on you. <laughs> <laughs> no, honestly, I'm just at a place now where, I mean, I've been, I've attempted to write up, write about this topic for a very long time. I haven't always gotten it right. I think because I was personally going through a lot of issues with my body, accepting it. And really for the first time, and maybe ever, I am so completely just at ease with how things are that I'm excited to talk about these topics in a very kind of stream of consciousness way. So just to hop on here for like 45 minutes to talk about this has been a thrill. And, you know, okay. I would do it for two more hours, but I know you probably <laughs> got more things to get into. It can't be all about me. Not yeah. yet. Michael <laughs> usually starts crying around 90 minutes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Thank you for so much for being on our show. And it's yes, just been a delight. Yeah. Thank you. I've had a great time and I will can't wait to listen to more and just really appreciative of you guys even wanting to have me on here. So thank you. No, <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Chris. Much appreciated. Where can people find you? Oh, um, you can follow me on Twitter at ChrisRosa92. I stupidly made that when I was in college and now I hate that the year I was born is in it, but that, that that's <laughs> it. And then my Instagram is Chris dot Rosa 92. So the dot is the difference between Instagram and Twitter. And also, if you want to read a bunch of Chris's articles, if you go to Glamour's website, you can find him as the author and you get a whole dossier of all the stories he's written Mm -hmm. in Glamour. And if anyone is single, my number is eight. (laughs) (laughs) Get in line, bucko. (laughs) Operators are standing by now. And that was the lovely Chris Rosa. Yeah, thank you so much, Chris. Um, I was pretty quiet this episode, but it was because I was really enjoying just like listening to the interview and I kind of got swept up in like he- hearing all the questions and Chris talking and um, 
it was also kind of nice for me because uh, I've been kind of like getting to the point of burnout just with like work and everything. And I need a little break. Uh, I never really got to have a break when we took our hiatus because we were still editing many episodes. Um, so at, at my sort of request, uh, I'd like to take the month of thanks, uh, uh, the month of Thanksgiving, <laughs> the month of Thanksgiving. <laughs> Turkey <laughs> every day, cranberry sauce for lunch, yeah. <laughs> stuffing for dinner. Yeah. Um, to take the month of November off to just give myself a little bit of a break while I have a huge sort of workload coming up. And um, it was really nice to have Chris on today because I got to sort of start that a little bit early and yes. and be a listener for once. Um, um, <laughs> I think we're going to, for the rest of November after this, uh, release some uh, classic TM. Yeah, hits. Ep- yeah. Uh, re-release some classic hits revisit simpler times yeah <laughs> reflect I, on the good old days and we'll be back um, in december our, yeah december. Early december. beginning yeah beginning early of december. december we'll come back fresh and, and uh, hopefully when we come back we'll be recording in a better world yes uh, with more hope and more <sighs> prosperity and more belief or, in our systems or, or we'll still be counting the the ballots <laughs> it'll be everyone Everyone is on the, they're spread out on the floor and everyone in America is helping count. <laughs> <laughs> like no, everybody looking for America. somebody's yeah. lost contact lens. Yeah. Uh, but if you but, need an additional fix of big fat gay podcast while we're gone, uh, Trevor, where can they go for that? You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at big fat gay pod. We're on Facebook as the big fat gay podcast podcast that is correct (laughs) uh leave us five stars there leave us five stars on apple and stitcher uh see all the lovely resources uh we'll link to chris's stuff uh at www.bigfatgaypod.com um yeah so maybe you're listening in the void and there's just a little um ballot behind you a a ballot (laughs) behind you and a a box on the floor where all this noise is coming from (laughs) and you decide to open it up and surprise it's us i'm a i'm a fat little cat Um, i'm a hanging chat yeah michael's a dog and dan is a uh a complex theory of (laughs) reality so look out everybody Twenty twenty. It's still happening. <laughs> it's still going on. <laughs> Bye everybody. <laughs> <laughs>